Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. All right, we are here with the the Miles, Bryson and Meg. Meg or Megan, what do you... Meg. Meg. Not Unless Meg. you're mad at me. Okay, so... <laughs> Meg. Meg. <laughs> Just keep it short and sweet. We're so excited to be here um, and, and get to know the Miles better. And here's the deal. We already got the tour of, of Meg's... Uh, what are we calling this? Studio. Studio. Wilma Headquarters. Wilma Headquarters, <laughs> which we're going to hear more about. But... Just let me tell you, it's awesome. And, you know, I was teasing Bryson a little bit because it's like, hey, you're supposed to be the guy and have a shed out there with your tools and motorcycles. <laughs> She's banished all that stuff to the corner, the deepest corner of our garage. Yeah. So, yes, what a real man let, men let their wives exactly. take the shed and build it into what Wilma is out there. <laughs> yes. And anybody in the neighborhood who wants to come and take a peek. And yeah, feel, whatever, free, to feel free to come over. It is awesome. The backyard is splendid. You could have soccer practice, which you do. We did, an hour before this interview. That's awesome. Um, with me, I've got uh, Tom and Gary again. Those are the other voices you'll, you'll, you'll hear. And uh, we'll, we're going to get into this real quick. And, and uh, would love to hear first from Meg a little bit about where you're from. Um, and uh, schooling, stuff like that. Awesome. Early okay. years. Early years. So I grew up really not too far. I'm an Olympus Titan. Mm. So my family loves Can to... Can we edit that out? They love to just <laughs> rub lie. that in. Um, so I grew up in Holiday. My parents still live there right behind Olympus High and um, just grew up in that neighborhood, had a great childhood. So grateful for my my home that I was raised in. Um, went to Olympus, graduated, went to the U. I stayed really close. Um, could not decide on my major. I was interested in too many things. So I did six years up there trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, decided on nursing, went to nursing school up at the U, graduated, worked at Primary Children's for a little bit until um, we had our first little girl, Ellie. And then at that time, we moved from Midvale for a little condo to Cottonwood Heights and had our second boy, Tate. Um, and then I. A quick funny story about that condo. Yeah. We we bought that, I guess, in 2012, and it was a 600-square-foot condo in Midvale, and we bought it for $57,000. $57,000. And you kept it, right? And we thought at the time I was... <laughs> we wish we would have kept it. I was so nervous that we were making the biggest mistake, and Bri just told me, Meg, just trust me on this. Just trust me. This is going to be the best decision. And so our mortgage at the time was $312 a month. So both of us, it was just such a big blessing. We were working multiple jobs to get through college, and we were able to do that with no debt, which was huge for us. Because of that little condo, you know, you could plug the vacuum in in one spot and reach every corner of the condo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was so small, but such a special place. And, um, yeah, we ended up getting a great, we had some great money in that condo, put it into our next home, and then from there we are able to kind of move here. So, and then I took a leap kind of at our last house, I, I decided to quit my job, my nursing job, and I'm pursue. I'm sure that was difficult, especially it primary. Was. That's, a, that's a rewarding job. It was, and I, I just never felt, I always have felt like I was going to be an entrepreneur my whole life, so I felt like it was not quite 
what I was meant to do. Even though I did enjoy it, I loved it. I found it so fulfilling, of course, but um, decided to kind of venture out and do my own thing. And at that point started pursuing a little bit more of my personal training. And then from there created an app. And since then we've kind of never looked back. It's been fun. I have a health and wellness platform now for women and a fitness app, Wilma Fit. Wilma is my app, my business. And and now I get to train lots and lots of women from around the world on the app. So, so okay, we're, we're on. So if we're, let's let's dive into this a little deeper. So you start this business, and it's uh, basically you create a exercise video. How often? Yeah. So in, in the beginning, these were emails. I'd send out an email of PDF, a PDF with instructions. with instructions of workouts. And I had some friends tell me, why don't you film these? Like, I'd love to do these with you. And I just thought, oh, man, that's a lot of work, but it'd be awesome. Um, and I had this little, how big was our garage? It was like two car deep, but, two car deep, but one like single car, but mm -hmm. two car deep. It was just really small. The back end of it was this gym space that I built out. It was so small, and in the winter, I'd have to wake up at like 4.30 to heat this thing in order for me to go film before my kids were up. So I would be up early, early trying to film these workouts, and just organically, it's kind of grown, and people have loved doing them with me. So, so when you were later, starting, were you like pushing the record button and running over in front of the oh camera? Oh, yeah, it was yeah, so and low. I edited all of them for years. Yeah, so I started, we actually found these students to build our first version of the app of just this screaming deal. The best, the best investment, honestly. We we're so lucky to find them. Um, and so we spent some, a big chunk of money, a big, what we thought was big sure. at the time, um, to build out this little app that would just would put, I'd plug in my workouts as videos that I hosted on Vimeo. And then they would pull into the app every week and my subscribers would just have these workouts. So then from there, we just eventually built out, you know, we actually rebuilt an entire app but that's now Android and iOS and web-based but it's just grown and been a dream come true. It's been fun. It's it's what I love so much. So you've been pushing this business for how many years now? Almost been five. I was going to say six, yeah. five, six years. Yeah, maybe a little over five. Well, that's so awesome. It's, so how many it's followers do you have? So <laughs> we kind of yeah. keep our subscription base to just private. But yeah. we, I mean, our hope is that eventually we can have tens of thousands of women yeah. working out. So. It's been fun. So every week they get a new workout? Every week, fresh new gym and home workouts. I've built out a pregnancy guide through my last two pregnancies. So we have that and postpartum. I mean, it's been years and years of work. So, so is there a way to uh, connect or communicate with the subscribers on the app if they have, like, questions? Yeah, or? not yet, but through social media. I have a really close community, so that's kind of where I do all the communication. But we hope to. We hope to have a social component. Again, it's just it's just more time. Oh. Yeah, we have so much. I have so much I want to build out still for this app. So it's just a matter of you know being able to to do it. Keep putting money in to to grow it, and um, it's been a fun, exciting venture. So, I can see your mind cranking. Yeah. Yeah. It's always going. <laughs> She's always waking me up in the middle of the night with the next idea. I do. I get my best ideas in the middle She's of the night. Up. <laughs> Right, she poked your head in there with a film either. No, you I don't bother don't, her. No, she's you don't do a giant. Don't poke the bear, man. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, she's she's amazing at what she's done though. It's it's been fun to watch her learn business and um, you know, basically build this thing from ground zero to what it is today. It's pretty cool. It's amazing. Thank you. Well it's gonna be fun to to see where it goes the next several years. Thank you. So cool. Well,
All right, Bryson, how about how about you? And yeah, so whenever anybody in this neighborhood asks me where I'm from, um, I say Bountiful, and they're like, "Where's that?" <laughs> like it's like no man's land. Like nobody's from Bountiful, you know. I there are a few, obviously, but um, seems like. People from Holiday and Mill Creek stick to Holiday and Mill Creek, and that's the same thing with Bountiful. Nobody leaves Bountiful, except for me, apparently. So, well, for the right woman, you left. <laughs> exactly. No, if you knew Meg like me, you, like I knew Meg, you'd leave, um, you know, Tahiti for that. Um, yeah, I grew up in Bountiful and uh, enjoyed things like soccer, skiing, things like that. I was very small. I literally didn't hit my growth spurt until I was on my mission and grew another probably four inches on my mission. So I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, and uh, on my mission, I served in Toronto, Canada. And uh, one fun fact that's connected to the neighborhood is one of my mission presidents was President um, Tad Collister. Oh, no way. The, the Collister's parents, Tad and wow. Kathy Collister. And they were incredible people. Um, uh, some of the most amazing, uh, two of the most amazing people I've ever been around. Yeah, two so, of our heroes, honestly. Yeah, amazing. honestly. And and it's fun to see them every once in a while. They come and visit the ward, and I'm able to catch up with them and stuff. And, did he uh, Did he use a lot of his stuff that he's written in the yes. books on your mission, I assume? I have, a, I have a white binder about five inches thick of all of the zone leader, or zone conference talks that uh, he would give to the mission and just chock full. I don't know if you ever heard or read like The Infinite Atonement, um, sure. some of his other books, like The Inevitable Apostasy and stuff, but um, very similar to those books. And I think kind of the foundation of how he built those or wrote those books, I think, because um, a lot of the books that he released after his mission were, have a lot of the same content. So it's kind of cool to get like a sneak peek. Of yeah, it's yeah. priceless, honestly, right? that binder. Yeah. So yeah, I served in Toronto, Canada. Um, it was from O. Uh, seven to oh nine okay and uh, spoke Spanish in Toronto Canada I wanted two things on my mission I wanted to go somewhere that was cold and I wanted to speak Spanish and somehow I wait, got wait, wait. you actually got what you asked and I for? got what I asked for which is a miracle of course <laughs> if I would have gotten called to like Brazil or something I don't know how I would have done it because I don't do well in the heat so in he the humid heat fine. So I'm sure I would have done. Trying to think where it's cold and they speak Spanish. I know, right? like yeah. Chile, maybe like Southern Chile, or Argentina, or something like that. But Canada was just perfect for me, and um, I had my poutine there. And uh, if anybody's familiar with Canada, we do have kind of a in church. A little bit, a, a very small in. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I actually, we better make that connection. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, would you like to know the connection? Yes, yes. So I'm my, guessing it's someone high. It is someone it, that, that means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to everybody. But um, my mom was one of nine daughters to President Russell M. Nelson. And so... Which one? Uh, uh, so Brenda. she was the... Yeah, Brenda. She was Brenda. what? Fourth or fifth? I always bring... I we lose track. There's, There's too many of them. <laughs> so... Um, anybody who grew up in the went to East High, there's like a 20-year gap. You probably know one of them or, or have been around one of mm -hmm. them. So I grew up with, we, we refer to him as grandfather. And um, 
just, he was the most amazing grandfather to me growing up and my grandpa on the other side as well. But um, you think we could get him to listen to this podcast? Maybe. So we celebrate his 98th birthday next week, yeah, isn't it? We're in, wow. um, so we'll do a big zoom. We get on zoom and there's 200 plus on there. You know, they have, he's in his office and they have it all set up, but it's fun. Yeah. We get to still see him through zoom. He talked about that in his book. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, we we listened to his book as a, a family, and I remember cool. him hitting on that. So yeah, he, how, you know that's the only way to really get everybody together. Right. Because family is so important to him, mm-hmm. you know. And growing up, there I can't remember a single month where we missed a family party. Like we would yeah. get everybody together. It's and, once and you a can month. Imagine how many people are squished in a house like this? You know, they switch to the sisters' houses and mm-hmm. one yeah. brother. And you squish everybody, 150 plus people Tom all in the same house. Yeah, Tom, I mean, do you know anything is, about this? Exactly, Tom, this is, your, this is your life. I mean, it's, but it's so special. Really, since COVID, we have not been able to see him as much, which has been hard um, yeah. since 2020. But before that, really once a month, we'd be with him. And we have some special <clears throat> memories with our kids. And in fact, with our first two he had a tradition of he'd go to the hospital when he had a baby. I mean, he was my first visitor in the room after my babies were born. I mean, he was just there with a gift right away. He's just an incredible he, person. He just knows some. He just knows things somehow. somehow. Like I, I asked my mom, how did he get here before everybody else? Yeah. And she said, I have no idea. I didn't even tell him. Yeah. You were having your baby that day because was he mm-hmm. was. Was he the president at that point? No. No, no but... Tate, when Tate was born, he was the, called as the president the very next day. Yeah. And he was there the oh, day wow. before. Um, but he... Was president it two days Monson before? had died, what, two weeks prior to So it was Tate his funeral born. that day. Yeah, it was President Monson's funeral. Yeah, and that The day. next year, two days later, Yeah, it was, it was, was a called. roller coaster. But I, I don't know. One of the things that I think about when I think of my grandfather's growing up, um, we used to ski with him all the time. He loved Park City. And uh, he is not one to wait either. You know, we would go. Yeah, looks that way. We would we would go because he wants to go, and his goal is to get as many laps as he possibly can. So, you're not there at the bottom of the lift when he's there at the bottom of the lift. He won't wait for you. He will go gone. up, and he will and he will leave you. Which I think is just so fun. And he's a very strong skier. You know, I think if his wife, if if Wendy and if uh, his bodyguards and things like that would let him ski right yeah, now, they, he would definitely they shut him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're the ones who are kind of stopping him. And Park City has been sending well, him we passes. Don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's one <laughs> of my. You've been our best customer. Amazing. Where'd you go? Exactly, that's one of my favorite memories of him. And now he's the so. longest serving or the oldest president of the church oh, is he? ever now. Oh wow! You might know that. Yeah, I, I did. that, that came a, out that uh, recently that he is now. Uh, and, and showing no signs of, unless you guys see something different than we do, no. man, he's not slowing he's down. I think they, uh, I mean, I think they did this test probably eight years ago or something like that, but they tested his heart for how healthy it was, and it was equivalent to the heart of a 50-year-old when he was like 94 or something, 94 So, did, did you hear the story in the primary, our primary, when... Oh, I did. Primary leaders. Yes. Could you tell that story? Plum. That's pretty cute. Wasn't Peggy the one? Peggy Plum. I think it was Tate. Was it my little Tate? Do you remember or Ellie? It was Ellie, um, I think. Anyways, Peggy Plum's up there and saying, do you guys know who this is? Holding up a picture of President Nelson. And my, I think it was either Tate or Ellie. Ellie goes, that's my grandfather. And she's like, 
she didn't know what sure? to say. <laughs> you know, she just was like, are you sure? She had to double check that information, but it was pretty cute. Just grandfather. Because those kids only know him as grandfather, really. Like, they know that he's the prophet, too, but they, they're, they're so young that they just can't really connect. Yeah. You know the so, significance of it it's, it's fun. fun we have saved all his letters in fact a quick little thing that i think would be fun for people to know mm -hmm. is every birthday or anniversary even mm -hmm. even for me you know the married in i not a day late there's a letter from him in the mailbox it's just i mean on the day he's so precise and very numerical he keeps track of things so well he's just so aware and family is such a priority to him that that's just been apparent his whole life Wow. Yeah. My head's spinning right now. I know. It's fun. I Let can't me... even keep track of my kids' names. You know, yeah. it's, yeah, it's amazing. Well, how exciting is that? So I'm, I'm wondering, because we need to get the story of how you guys met. Was it like, mm -hmm. hey, do you know who my grandpa is? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it was. <laughs> I had no idea for actually a while. So we no, actually. No, it wasn't that easy to get girls from me. I had to, I had to, oh I had to really work for it. Tyler. Our story is kind of funny because we were dating two different people at the time when we first met. We went boating together and he was dating this girl. He was at UVU. I was at the U dating this guy I was not really feeling things with. And I, he left such an impression. I came home and wrote about him in my journal that night. I said, I've met the most handsome boy today. <laughs> guy. Just like Whatever. when I say boy. Yeah. So, you didn't need the connection. I, yeah, exactly. So, I didn't need the yeah, connection. Yeah, so I just kind of made a mental. I was like, he's he's really cute. And then um, I didn't see him for a year and a half. And then he transferred from UVU to the U and moved in with all my best guy friends. And it just, from there, we had, I think, our first date and we're together every day till we were married. So it was really just, we... Just, I don't know, hit it off. We were best friends. And Wait a minute. So did you move over there he, no, because of he, her? Mm -hmm. You he knew. Didn't you know, were doing some work investigation. Maybe somebody knew, but I didn't. You know, actually. <laughs> now listen, he doesn't even remember me the first time we met. And I am yeah. sitting there writing about him in my journal. He <laughs> didn't even remember who I was. Bryson, you better clear this up now. <laughs> this is going to be up. on the internet forever. <laughs> it's written in stone. A year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah, I was so excited when he moved in with all my best friends. I was like, that's the, that's that's the cute the, one yep. that I remember. Yeah, my parents had gotten called to be mission presidents in um, Germany. And so I transferred from UVU to the U to help them kind of get their house ready so I was you know 20 minutes away to help them and stuff and that's when I that story. that's when we we met we Which one? just that we started dating right after they left oh yeah then. yeah so they left on I think it's like mid-July or something right like when mission presidents leave this maybe the start July. of July yeah. um July yeah whatever and um I think we started dating two weeks or something yeah. like that after they had left and so um I send them an email or a call or something like that, like, what, two Three months? Well, like yeah, early. maybe like a month into, yeah. the, into, their, into their mission. And I'm like, hey, I think I met the girl that I want to marry. And my, dad, my parents are like, come on, it's been three weeks. We, we've only <laughs> gone for a month. like, no way, Bryson. Give it a couple of months and let's talk again, like thinking that that was like a long time. And, and I called back like two weeks later again and was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to marry her. Yeah. And so I want to bring her over to introduce her to you. So we had stayed, started dating in July, August time. And then that 
December, mm -hmm. I, I brought you over to Germany yeah. to visit them and to introduce you to them. And their mission covered Germany, which was in Munich and, and Austria and Switzerland. I don't know if you're familiar with like Interlaken and, and Lauterbrunnen and, and those places in Switzerland, one of the most incredible places pictures. in the world. I need yeah. to get there. And when so, did they go? Like 2000? 2011. Yeah, so it would have been 2011. Yeah. yeah. For those three years. Yeah. Grindelwald. Yeah. Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Yeah, we visited those all those places. places. So I, I, I mean, there's a train loop that goes around um, and then goes to Interlaken and I think Grindelwald is one. Um, Kleinescheidig, Wengen, Lauterbrunnen, and um, my plan was to propose at one of those stops. I mean, where, how can and you go wrong? I didn't, I was so excited to be on this trip, but I didn't know he had talked with my dad before. We knew we were going to get married, but I didn't know he didn't had know get, the, gotten permission, yeah. any, the ring, we hadn't talked about any of that, so this was... And since he was winging it, because I have to say he's the worst with surprises, he just can't pull it off. Like, I am the queen. I'm the queen of surprises. Yeah, but this, I was kind of winging it, though. But he, really, the I mean, fact that he was winging it, it is the only way he pulled it off. Because if he would have planned something, I would have figured it out. But yeah. he was completely flying off the seat of his pants. And so I had no idea what was coming. Yeah, so Klein Scheidegg, I don't it, for anybody that's familiar, is a ghost town. There's no, no, there's nothing. And we were there in the middle of the winter. There's a snowstorm. And so we got back on the train, went to Lauterbrunnen was the next one. And um, there is a beautiful waterfall called Stubach Falls in Lauterbrunnen um, that, again, I had no idea was even there. And it's not there in the winter, but instead of the waterfall, the, the townspeople put a giant star on the mountain this was meant to be a lit up star it, it was, was absolutely meant to be so i thought oh, that looks like a pretty good spot so <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah I did, for sure so we walked up the road for a little bit and i got down on my knee and and uh, proposed to her it was pretty awesome got down on two knees he was shaking yeah. so bad he had to get both <laughs> my knees, knees were down soaking wet the snow is no it really awesome. was it, it was, was perfect it was amazing can you beat that one gary nope that's our only that's our <laughs> yeah. only one-up story we've got we Pull it out when we when we can. Yep, that's my I walked on the moon um, to come back <laughs> one up. Yeah, you can always go back to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah, fantastic. that's how we met and got engaged and uh, married. Now we have three kids somehow, so it just happened all really fast. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I have to say, if this is coming out in four to six weeks. The news will be out. We actually are pregnant with our fourth. You're like some of the very first oh, to know that this will be out soon. But we're mm, I might continuing. Have to speed up the editing I mean, process. Get it out. Let our families know first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our parents but, don't um, know. It's we're excited. We're someone. Someone's got to keep growing this ward. You know, people are yes, kind of slowing thank down. You. So. We thought we'd contribute Please another do. little child to this. To and this then one. another, I think you ought to go for 10. Oh, man. I don't know if we're Frederick status over here, but we'll, we'll be working on it. And how are you going to beat the name? Because, you know, your, your two-year-old is Poppy, Poppy right? Poppy, I know. How you, that She's name is pretty awesome, hard to beat. Right? We'll see. We'll, yeah. You got pressure now. You can't Pressure's beat Poppy, on. I don't think. <laughs> I know. She's kind of the opinion. But we're excited. So that's end of March. <laughs> Is our Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. We're the first in the war to thanks. congratulate you. Are, you, you, you know before yeah. our families. We're telling tell them next week. Don't this worry. This is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. Keep your lips yeah, sealed. Mom's the word. So, Bryson, we, we missed uh, your... Kind of post-mission life. Yeah. 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 Tell us about your job. Yeah. So, when I got home from a mission, I was, as a lot of missionaries are, just wandering soul, not knowing what the heck to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And so... <laughs> 
Um, I actually was hired by Rimrock Construction. I joined as, I mean, think about the lowest position yep. you can have as a construction person, and yep. that was me for a year and a half. And so I was uh, framing. I was I doing like to all say you sorts were going of things. Following Jesus. Ex yeah. Okay. That's right. There's yeah. a good way to do it. Okay. All right. There you go. And so was in construction for a couple of years, and then um, kind of got the business bug. And uh, well, prior to getting the business bug, I worked for a company called Zag for a couple of years. Yeah. They're they're a pretty big company nowadays. John um, Melville then at the time. Of course, mm -hmm. we yeah. know Melville's very well. Yeah. yeah. Mostly because uh, here's another tidbit. My uncle. And aunt are Clark and Marsha Louder, oh, who yeah. everybody knows in the ward. They're yeah. the best. So Clark and which I, side? So your dad's so my side? dad's sister is Marsha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my some of my well one of my best friends is their son Jake, um, who yeah. knows a lot of people too, right? So um, anyway. you're already covering because we usually ask because I'm kind of new to the neighborhood. It's like okay, yeah. tell us who you know yeah. because mm -hmm. and we I have more cousins in this ward than he does. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, so, no, yeah. She's part of the whole. So that's how you guys got up here. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Our story just of getting here is actually all right. We're gonna hit on that. Yeah, okay, we'll you keep going. So anyway, worked for Zag for a couple of years in the marketing department, and then got the the business running my own business bug and started a concrete coating business, and I ran that for. A uh, couple of years as well, and then um, from there, um, started in the property management world. I wanted to get into real estate, and I didn't know where to get into it because I knew that my dad and my brother and two of my brother-in-laws, everybody was in development. And so I thought, well, I want to get into something else to see if I can have a little bit different skill set and got into property management, which, again, is about the lowest rung of the real estate ladder that you can be on. But I think it's very, obviously, very important. So for the past decade, there's a lot of job security there. Tons of job security. So I started as a property manager um, with with a company that had one property, and it was a very small property. I managed uh, eventually three properties in Rose Park, which was really exciting and fun, mm -hmm. right? So um, have some some fun stories there for you on another day. And then um, the the gentleman who hired me eventually took me on as a partner. And we grew that company to about 600 units, um, all here in the state. And then we recently, well, not recently, about five years ago, merged with a local developer called Western States Lodging and Management. They do hotels and, and senior. And um, since then, we've grown the business to about 5,000 units. And so we manage, again, all here in Utah um, and uh, larger community type assets so so are you are you involved in what probably trying to hire people yes yeah i mean that's probably where you spend your time yeah luckily we have some very good corporate staff that um do cover the the hiring and we have an hr department and an ap department and that kind of stuff which are very helps me focus on growth and things okay, like good, that so good. i can focus on creating um, operational performance for potential clients and uh, budgeting for our current existing properties and things like that. So that's kind of what I always Is Griffith part of that? Yes. He was Chad? A, or uh, Gary? Gary. He was, Gary a, he was a mission president in Scotland after yeah. me. Yeah, in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. realize he was at the same time. Around mission. the same time. Yeah, so well, we, after you, he, right? was, he came in after us. So so he, was, he replaced you. Yeah, he, he replaced, replaced me. You. Okay. I'll have to talk so to you. So you ended in what year? He came in 2009. Okay. Okay, that's Yeah, Gary really Griffiths cool. is one yeah. of the five original partners of Western States. Mm -hmm. And my dad was actually one of his partners as well. Mm -hmm. So, 
um, we joined with Western States and since then I've just been able to really make the company really kind of a viable manager here in the state. So look to expand in other states soon, but for now we're just focusing in Utah. So I've been doing that for about the past decade and uh, see where it takes me. That's oh, fantastic. Also, um, about four years ago, I went to the University of Utah and got my Master's of Real Estate Development because I wanted to have a little bit more, uh, I think that propelled my knowledge in the real estate world significantly and the network as well. So that was a really good decision I made as well about like what, four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Did he do that? He went to Cornell. Got, is that a degree? I yeah. think he did get the same well, degree. Well, he got a, a master's, MBA, and a real estate master's. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Hey, um, before, before you leave that, uh, you've got something in common with Tom. Uh, you're an avid hunter. Absolutely. Kind of, I love... I didn't know you were a hunter, too. Well, I have been for the last... Well, raising 11 kids, you don't do anything except raise kids. <laughs> That's right. So for the so last 10, passion. 12 years, I've been doing some whitetail hunting in the Midwest. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I picked up... I've, I've hunted my whole life, mostly rifle, um, but about um, six years ago, I picked up archery hunting for the first mm -hmm. time, and I finally believe it or not, had my first shot at a deer just last year. and I Did and you I, harvest it? I did. And awesome. So, I, I mean, archery hunting is extremely hard. It's a challenge. Very hard. I call it archery hiking because <laughs> you don't go out there to actually hunt. I mean, you don't. You the chances to. to kill something are very yeah. low. Mm -hmm. So, um, and maybe I'm just a really bad hunter, but uh, <laughs> I finally harvested one last year, and it was awesome. And we have um, deer jerky all the time. It's seriously it's I don't see the, the head. I mean, Meg. It's because I'm married to Meg. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever have a man den one day, maybe I'll, we can get so, some antlers in there. Toad, I, I brought one home uh, from my wife. <laughs> 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 Let's just say it is nowhere in the house. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's jerky, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Remember when I said something about the deepest, darkest corner of the garage? It's also there. That's where it is. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, hunting, fishing, um, skiing, anything outside is kind of my happy place. Love it. And Meg, we know you love to exercise. What other yeah. hobbies and things do you like? Oh man, anything outdoors, same. Anything active. I love sports. I love anything competitive. Like that. I love photography, um, music. I play the piano, a little guitar. Um, just, I don't know, just lots so of hobbies. But, but anything active and love being outside. Awesome. Well, we're going to shift gears just a little bit um, where we could go forever on all this fun yeah, stuff. Fun stuff. Um, but we, we want to we hear about your spiritual journeys. We want to hear about your conversion to the gospel. For each person, it's a little bit different. And, uh, you know, what the gospel means to you and, 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 and the why, right? So, uh, Bryson, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, tell us about your spiritual journey to this point. Yeah, so... I already mentioned I went on a mission. Um, before I went on that mission, I always knew I was going to go, right? And I always had a testimony of the Book of Mormon, of Christ. Um, but it wasn't really until my mission when I got a testimony of both of those things. Now, um, the Book of Mormon was my testimony that came first. And that I, I distinctly remember a day in the MTC, actually. It was early on in my mission. I think it was probably, I don't know, a month and a half in. How long was I in the MTC? Maybe 
nine weeks or something. Sure. And because I was learning Spanish. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just distinctly remember one day in the MTC, you have personal study time. And so I went into this room. I distinctly remember all these tables and chairs being all haphazardly around the room. And I stuck myself in the corner and just read and remember being so overcome with the spirit about the Book of Mormon. And I got this fire in me to go and preach it to the people of Toronto, the Spanish-speaking people of Toronto. And so um, I think it was the first time in my life where I read it cover to cover, and I did it in the MTC, which was faster than I've ever read anything in my whole life. It's a great place to do it. And so um, I, just ever since then, I've just loved the Book of Mormon, and I've felt a very close connection to the words in it, and uh, I've loved it. So uh, how I got my testimony of of Christ, and more specifically his atonement, um, and the love that he has for us and everything that he is, right? Um, as I mentioned before, President Collister was my mission president, Tad Collister. And he, if you've read any of his books, he has an unusually powerful testimony and knowledge of the atonement. Now, nobody has a perfect knowledge of the atonement, of anything really, but most, most particularly the atonement, because it is infinite in everything. And I don't think any of us will ever be able to grasp its complexity and its fullness and everything. But um, he instilled in all of us a love for Christ. And um, one thing that I didn't connect with President Collister fully on is his knowledge. He is extremely smart. I am not. I don't retain scriptures very well. I can't memorize worth beans. Me both. And um, stuff like that. Oh, but sorry. I will say what he was... was uh, strong in was just his testimony of Christ and the importance of building a testimony around the atonement and around Christ. Everything else is an appendage to that atonement and to Christ. And so um, there are certain times, obviously, in my life where, um, not obviously, but there have been times in my life where I've struggled uh, to read the scriptures consistently or say my prayers consistently, but the, the thing that has stayed consistent without a doubt is that testimony of my savior and everything that he's done for me and for Meg and for my kids and for everybody in this whole world, um, because he loves us. Right. Um, so president Collister was my mission president for half my mission. And the second half of my mission was a guy named, um, Chris Iyer. So his brother, um, has a bunch of parenting books. Like the Joy School program and everything mm -hmm. started yeah. from that. Yeah, so mm -hmm. Chris and Hetty Iyer were my second mission presidents and he was kind of the opposite of Tad Collister. Um, admittedly to everyone, hey, I'm not a scriptorian. It, this is my pres mission president. Um, but I can promise you, you will be good missionaries if you focus on the spirit, letting the spirit lead and guide. And so it was really cool to see how different those mission presidents were, but helped me gain a testimony in of uh, very important things. And I think, you know, you don't have to be um, a scriptorian or the smartest person in the room to have the strongest testimony in the room. And um, that's between us and God and, and Christ. Was, yeah. he, was he, I'm sorry, was he a son of the brother? Of the, a brother. brother. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's his brother. They have really good balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They teach balance of life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've Jeez. heard. You ever want ask yourself uh, where you'd be if you chose not to go on a mission? I do. And I don't like to think about that. Right? I don't know where I'd be. And I, 
I, I mean, I'm sure I, I, I like to think that I would be living a good life and that I would be the same type of person that I am, but I wouldn't be as outgoing. I wouldn't be comfortable speaking in front of people. I wouldn't be comfortable running a business. I wouldn't be comfortable um, uh, doing a hundred th things that I could list off that I learned on my mission. Well, and, right. and what you just, you know, talk, told us about with, with both of your mission presidents and yeah. missing that. Right. Right. I mean, I have, I, I mean, obviously I, I failed to mention that my parents were some of the best examples are the best examples in my life. Um, so they taught me a lot as well, but there's just something about a mission president who, in my opinion, is kind of like a second father and a second mother, uh, both Hetty and Kathy were some of the best women I've ever met. And because of them, I honestly can say because of them, I'm where I'm at today. And I have the skill set that I have today because of my mission. Well, I, I really um, need to pause for a second and identify the spirit because it's here. And uh, hearing, hearing this is just, yeah, we can never get enough of the spirit. Yeah. And uh, thank you for sharing this. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. I, I love reliving uh, mission experiences, particularly those spiritual experiences. So thank you for resurfacing that. Love it. Uh, Meg, how about your spiritual journey? Yeah, I was trying to think. I mean, my spiritual journey is, I think, similar to how a lot of us are. I was raised in the church and had great parents, amazing parents, amazing siblings, um, that just taught such good foundational values and principles growing up. So that gave me such a great foundation. But I think it's just accumulated. My testimony has built little by little over the years. I don't have a specific conversion story. Um, but for me, you know, I, I think about the books of faith that we study from in the Old Testament and these books of faith. And I think there's no better book of faith than our own that we can write that is like experiences that we've had across a lifetime of these little moments we've seen or or felt God in our life and so I I have written those things down I have journals since I was you know a young girl but just writing down times when I've known for sure that God has taken a hand in my life um, has really built my testimony and um, it's something that when I do have questions or doubts, I think I always go back to that, that book of my own personal faith of, of knowing for sure without a doubt. Do you that, keep that book? Is it a physical book? Yeah, I have journals. I mean, several, but um, I've always loved to document, so I've always been a good journal writer. Um, but yeah, I just, and one really big thing for me was, again, I didn't serve a mission, but I decided to study abroad. Um, when I was 19. So I, I actually lived out of a backpack. I backpacked Europe and studied abroad that summer. So I left everything. And this is the time we didn't have a phone. I didn't have a phone, anything. I went over to Spain. So I traveled in Italy with a few friends for two weeks. Then I went to Spain. I took Spanish there at a university for five weeks and lived with a host family there that didn't know one lick of English. So full immersion there. Um, and then backpacked the rest of the summer just with a best friend. So living out of a backpack and living with just minimal and no phone, but I had my scriptures and my journal and that experience, it changed my life. Um, being able to be stripped of everything that I once knew or every reputation I once had or anything. I was just like me, just alone. 
in the world um, before God. And that was truly where I think I got to know God. Um, and really it shaped my life. I feel like that was my mission <laughs> in a way, was being able to do that and experience the world in a whole different way um, and find out who I was as a person, not as that student or that basketball player or whatever it was, but as just a child of God. Um, so that was a really that. big moment. You created your own study abroad. Exactly. Right. right. I mean, I did an actual cool. for a little, but then, you know, I backpacked for the rest. Just traveled anywhere. We took trains and we just navigated by a map. You know, we had nothing. No, we'd go in to get a little service at a cafe to look up a hostel or an Airbnb, and then we'd be on the next train somewhere else. It was amazing. And I'm grateful for parents who let me do that. My mom is a very big... Um, proponent, proponent of uh, independence and I've just always felt that trust from her she did it when she was 19 and she said this is the way that you're gonna find out who you are are you gonna let Poppy do that when she's there? You know, I. We're <laughs> gonna be a little bit more cautious. Maybe you know, go with her. Poppy some of the things that she did over there. <laughs> she's told, she's told we'll me stories, see. and I question her uh, her wisdom we'll for see. making some decisions. You know, I was pretty adventurous, there, but... but I I trusted myself, and I think I my parents had trusted. I I felt like we were we were smart, and it was an amazing adventure. So now you bring up Poppy and the kids, you know, raising the kids uh, in the gospel. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you feel about, you know, raising kids with this gospel and the knowledge of it. Like, yeah. where does that fit in your priorities? Well, man, I woke up a few nights ago again, or maybe a week ago, in the middle of the night again. And I just, right before school started, and I just kind of started getting nervous again, thinking, here's my first grader out the door all day, just handing her over to the world a little bit. You know, it's my first one off. And um, just had that such a confirmation again from the Lord, like, you protect this home. That's what you do. And we're not perfect at, at getting out the scriptures every day. We try. We have busy, busy kids. And the moments that we're all together at the table are kind of my precious moments. So we do try to eat dinner together. And sometimes when I'm there today at lunch, I was reading Psalms 139. So like one minute, you know, they lasted maybe one minute. But it's those little moments that you find that are impactful. And the things within these walls are all I can do. So I, you know, with prayers, we say morning and night prayers with our kids every day. But um, finding those little moments, and I think just living it is the most important thing, especially when your kids are little, because um, you only hold their attention for so long. But just living the gospel is the best thing that we can do. Our kids, it's so impactful. And I think being open about it and leaving the door open when we kneel to pray and letting them see our scriptures out on the table. Those are things that I remember about my parents that I hope can leave an impact on my own. I love that. I love that. Are there any other um, things that, you know, from your spiritual journeys, trials of faith, uh, any other things that are top of mind that you'd like to share? I think that um, I mentioned before there's, I, I, I dare say everybody goes through a moment 
of weakness, right? Moments. Mo at least a moment of weakness, of course. Moments most likely of weakness where they're just not feeling like they, they want to read the scriptures or they're not feeling mm -hmm. like they want to pray. Like, why even do this? I do it every night, right? I've had those feelings, but I just have never felt like Christ or God have abandoned me, no matter what, no matter where I'm at in my consistency, I guess, in, mm -hmm. in the in the uh, Sunday school answers, reading your scriptures and praying, going to church and things like that. Um, and I find comfort in that. I know that Heavenly Father and Christ will, and Jesus Christ will love me and, and Meg and our kids no matter what. Their hands are always outstretched for anybody who is going through um, hard times or, you know, going through good times. They, their, their arms are outstretched as well. Um, I just, I love that we believe that our God is a loving and kind God because I try to pattern our life around kindness and forgiveness and things like that. And so, I don't know, that's just something that's been on my mind recently. Love it. Mm -hmm. Tom, any other comments before we ask the, the big question at the end? Mm -hmm. um, you, you've both grown up well founded in the gospel, and uh, that's uh, a bit what you're trying to provide for your children. And uh, I just wonder if you've ever questioned that pathway, whether it's been something that you just feel totally committed to and want it for your children because you know that's what will make them happy. And you know, what, what gives you the impetus to have your children have what you have? Can I speak to this? Of I'd course. like to hear from you though, if you have a comment, but... Go for it. Um, you know, I've never, I, don't, I don't think I can say I've ever thought about not raising our kids or living our life in the gospel, but we've been exposed more than I think I could ever imagine um, to very close friends. My best friend and well, three of my best friends in college, my, my best roommates. She's got a, a cousin of ours that we are very close to, a few cousins. I have a few cousins who I'm very close to, um, uh, other family members who have strayed away from the church um, for their own reasons, right? Like every, everybody has their own reasons why they stray away from the church. And um, most particularly my friends that I was close with in college, I've just seen what a dramatic change their life is. Um, I don't know, maybe they think um, that it's a better change, but I, I know that that's not what I want. I know that's not what I want my kids to experience in their life either. Um, I don't want to go into details about why I think that, right? But sure. I think that you can probably understand um, the, you know, the, the lifestyle that they've chosen um, is, is providing a, a, a le one less layer of protection for those kids as they grow up in this crazy world. And it is crazy. And the world that we grew up in was a hundred times crazier than the world my parents grew up in. But I think it's going to be even more for our kids. There's and no so those foundational uh, things that Meg was talking about before are extremely important. Um, our, I want our kids to, to um, go to church each week to learn how to love one, love other people 
because they can apply that kind of stuff in school. It doesn't necessarily need to be yeah. mm -hmm. within the church, right? And I've seen that with Ellie. She, um, quick story about Ellie. She reaches out to those at school. She has the most pure heart. Um, there's a, there's a, um, a little boy from the Middle East that is at her school. She came back one day and said, hey, um, Nihal is his name, doesn't have any friends. And so I, I saw that and I went and introduced myself to him and now we are best friends. Oh, wow. And so she, little Ellie and Nihal, a little boy from, from and Ellie's India, six. I think. And Ellie is six, <laughs> yeah. right? And to see that makes me, okay, okay, we can do this, right? Like we can raise these kids in this hard world as long as we can remind them that kindness is the answer. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I love that. Well, we're going to uh, wrap this up. Wow, what a what an awesome interview. And, you know, this has been great. So much we could more, you know, talk about. Like, you know what? We do need to hear how you got up to the cove. We could do a quick. Okay, like, quick version. This is not she a has like story a four-hour story version of this, but. I mean, it's one of those, it's short. one of those that. There's so many things that could have happened, quote, coincidentally. But okay, so there's, I feel like there's it was some divine incidents. inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are driving, looking at neighborhoods very casually, looking for homes. And we're, we were driving down Parkview one day. We loved this neighborhood. And I kept telling Bryson, we can't afford to be here. Like, why do we keep ending up here? Um, we were driving down Parkview and slam on our brakes and look up at this house. Mm -hmm. And we both were like, that's our dream house right there. And just this rambler on a big lot. That's our dream. House. And because it's kind of confusing the, the roads, if you don't if you're not familiar with it, I wouldn't have known how to get back here. Yeah, so, so we marked it in our maps. I marked like it in just my as map. like this, we love this neighborhood. That is like a perfect. Was there a example. for sale sign or no? no? No for sale. Okay. We go home. This story is crazy. We go home and I dream about this house for three weeks every night. I could not get it off my mind. And I'm like, this is just so bizarre and so crazy, but Maybe we just need to go knock on that door um, to see who lives there and just see how the neighborhood is. I grew up, you know, kind of down a ways a little bit, but I, I didn't know how the cove was at the time. I didn't know if there were a ton of kids. So I, on a Sunday, packed my kids up in the car with Bray, and he's like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, I just feel like we need to do this. And so we come back to this house and knock on the door, and Marilyn Taylor whoa, 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 opens the door. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just knock on the door. We knock on the on door. Not the, on not the return Sunday missionary, afternoon. Meg. No, this is me out of my like comfort zone completely. Behind her. <laughs> return missionary hunter. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, this Way is because I felt, I've never felt so propelled to do. So I was just like, I just know I need to knock on that door. Okay. So Marilyn Taylor, sweet Marilyn Taylor, opens the door, invites us in for two hours, we talk. And again, we just said, how's this neighborhood? We just wanted to kind of know, like, okay, how's this neighborhood? Did you, like, if growing up here? Burrell had, had passed a year prior. Yeah. yeah. She, was yeah. A, she was a Kennedy. Yes, yes. she was. Exactly. Uh -huh. So she invites us in. We talk for a while, and we just exchange numbers, and we said, if you see anything, let us know. We'd love to have a contact in this neighborhood. So we leave Ellie. But you didn't specifically say we would. No, oh, okay. no. I mean, we didn't want her to think we were. I, we just yeah, were like, this creepy, is so right? out of our comfort yeah. zone. So we yeah. pack up the kids. Ellie's forgotten her toy. So I come back to the front door and Marilyn's standing there. And she says, I think that you're, you guys standing on the doorstep today was an answer to my prayers. And my jaw at this point is just on. I'm just like, what is this? Oh, what is on. happening? 
So we get her son's number, Lamar. I don't know if you guys remember Lamar. So he kind of helped her maintain this lot. Right. Just the nicest, nicest man. He's amazing. He calls us the next day. And I'm so worried. I'm just like, please, we weren't trying to, you know, we're not trying to creep on your mom. <laughs> I was so worried. I was just like, this was so weird. But, and he's like, I'd love to meet you guys. We'd love to come have you up at the lot in a couple of weeks. So we came back up here. He showed us everything. And in the, and we're just going, what is happening? Why are we even this isn't like, even We couldn't sale. afford this. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to sell it to us. <laughs> so long story short, very long story short, there was like a series of miracles that happened across that summer. But um, by the by the fall, they had talked as a family, and we actually helped Marilyn transition into her because his dad owns Legacy Senior Center in Sugar House. So we ended up tra- have, helping her get into a new home. But um, they said, you know, we've decided as as siblings to list this house on the market, and I was devastated. I mean, we just thought we're never going to be able to get this house once it lists. So we, as one last effort, I wrote a letter to the family and just said, we respect, you know, whatever you'd like to do, but this is how I feel about this home. And I just feel so strongly that my family could be there. Um, and they again reviewed it and a couple of weeks later called us and said, if you like the home, we, we'll, you know, you can buy it for fair market value price. And we took it. Stretched back. as far as we could. We stretched as, as far as we could at that moment. and. Go. That's We're awesome. so glad. It was it was a decision it's that not a stretch anymore, is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean Exactly. <laughs> We're more comfortable now for sure. But we rented out our basement for the first year to help us out and we we are so grateful. This is a house we we just are so grateful for. We feel very meant to be here. You know, you know, when you moved in here, I thought you were a relative of the Kennedys. Oh, that's how, yeah, that's how you I know. worked it out. <laughs> that's how we were able to get it. Yeah. Right. I know. No, there's a million reasons why we shouldn't have been able to get it. I am yeah. so glad that we got that story. Very, very lucky. Cool. Right? Yeah, if you have so two or three hours, she can give you the longer yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's goes, a lot of... It goes on. It really is crazy, but... But what do you think, Tom? Coincidence? God no. incidents, right? Oh, that's yes. the word. God incidents. Yes. I haven't yeah. heard it that way. The hand of the Lord is in God your life. Yeah, well, some of you that you're being blessed throughout your lives. You know, we're, we're very blessed. I mean, we're blessed to have you in the neighborhood, but I think these blessings will continue as long as you live the way you are. So, I'm not sure many youth will listen to this, but if you are, <laughs> look what happens when you live the law of the gospel, right? <laughs> it's just things happen. They're for a reason. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, trying, just yeah, trying, yeah, just right? I mean, it's no one, no one can no be perfect, perfect. Yeah. But, but you're trying to live the law of the gospel. And then I would just shudder to think what you'd miss if you, if you, if you're not trying to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, we're going to ask the last question and, and we've asked this a couple different ways. Um, but I think it's worked out best when we've asked it this way. So Bryson, I'll start with you. Okay. hundred years from now, long after we're gone and, uh, our pod, your posterity is listening to this very podcast. They stumble onto it on familysearch.com because the hope is it'll be there one day. Right. And they're yeah. like, they hit play and they have listened to everything we've just said. And, and, and now this is your parting words where you get a chance to tell them all about Meg and who she is. Hmm. Tell them all about Mega. Well, there's not enough time for that. But what I would say, as short as I could possibly say, is Meg is the most loving, kind, and pure-hearted person that I've ever known. 
she she's talked a lot about her business and things like that. But um, every once in a while, she gets messages from these girls who she has literally changed their life because it's the fitness world today is very toxic, very toxic, and particularly to women. You need to look this way. Body shaming. You need to feel this way or else work on it, you know, like almost to the point where they're starving themselves, which is not healthy. Meg's, Meg's, um, yeah, we've talked about the business and how it's successful or whatever, but like really the reason that she does it, and I know honestly the reason that she does it is to help women feel more comfortable in their skin and find this untapped potential that they feel they're worth in their life. And Meg is literally the only person I, I know that can like portray that in the way that she does with her app and in person. And she does events with women all because she just loves them. She loves me for some reason. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about even that. Even your locks? Uh, uh, e- well, even the locks. she complains about that. She complains about my mustache. And so I have to shave it every once in a while. <laughs> but unconditional love to me um, and to our kids and literally everybody around her. I mean, I can't, uh, there's, there's a hundred things, like I say, but the, the, the most important thing that I see in Meg is that she has unconditional love for everybody. I love that. That's great. Meg, your turn. Oh man. Um, I had a thought that I've held on to today that came from a post yesterday on social media that I saw about this guy who had done this humanitarian trip to Fiji and he had taken these teenage boys. And on the flight home, he one of these teenage boys fell asleep on this stranger, this woman, this older woman, just sleeping on her shoulder. So they snapped this picture and when he woke up, he was so embarrassed. And he was just like, you know, apologizing. And the reaction of this woman, she just said, my shoulders are meant for that. I just, I've missed having somebody on my shoulder, a child on my shoulder. She said, I don't, I'm so glad that you got to rest your head. This, these shoulders have rested many heads. Um, and I just was thinking, you know, isn't that kind of the point to life? Like, if I can do one thing, I hope to be that person that people can rest their shoulder on or um, just feel loved. That's all my job is to do. I think that in today's world, it's so easy to climb this ladder of success in the world of things, of um, the world applauds fame and popularity and wealth and um, things of monetary value. And people climb this ladder of success um, and they get to the top and realize that something's missing and they don't feel fulfilled and they feel this disconnect um, from chasing you know, fun things, but not the right things. Um, and they realize that they get to the top of this ladder and realize that their ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. Um, where That's where I'm so grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ because it builds our walls of things that are the most important, of things that are God important, of um, values and faith and testimony and service and community and relationships and these things that we just, we foundationally are so secure in. Um, And these walls, if we can just place our home on these walls, um, what a strong foundation we'll have. That's everything that we need. Um, And how successful our life will be 
with those walls and to build lean our ladder against those, those walls. Um, because we're taking ourselves out of the middle and we're bringing Christ into that center spot. Um, so again, like for my posterity, there's nothing more than I could leave with them than my testimony of Jesus Christ, who is undoubtedly the center of my life. And um, I'm grateful for him every day. He is always there. Just like Bryce said, no matter what, he is always there to meet us, um, walking at a pace we can handle, and he will never leave us. Um, he brings hope into any dark situation. He is the Prince of Peace, and I'm so grateful for him in my life. I just don't know where I'd be without him. So um, I know that he lives, and I hope my kids know that forever, that I know that. Um, and that my posterity will know that I hope I can learn to love a little bit more like him. I'm grateful every day for a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances and also feel a very special, I've always felt a very special connection to my Heavenly Mother. Um, I'm very grateful for her and excited to meet her one day and feel of her love so much in my life as I raise my own kids and grow my family and um, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I guess I seal that testimony in his name, but I'm grateful every day for that. There's that spirit again. Mm -hmm. That's uh, fantastic. Thank you for sharing, and thank you for allowing us to come into your beautiful home that yeah. you were divinely you brought so to our ward. And uh, you definitely make it... Uh, a much better ward, and, mm -hmm. and uh, we're, we're excited about more kids. Yeah, we're the lucky ones. This we're is, so lucky. This has been a wonderful night, so thank you so much. Thanks, thank guys. You.